Well, good morning, Thrive Church. Thank you so much for being here with us at one of our physical locations or joining us online. Uh, as we jump in to today's message, I've got to ask a very serious question. I'm going to let you know it has nothing to do with your New Year resolutions, okay? That is between you and the Lord today. Now, here's what I want to ask with a show of hands. This is participation. When it comes to cats and dogs, how many of you prefer cats over dogs? Let me see hands. Let me see hands. Someone is super excited. All right, all right. See, notice my hand is up. Don't hate me too much. Pastor Kevin hates cats. Now, on the other side of the coin, how many of you prefer dogs over cats? So many more hands. So many more hands, you guys. Um, so uh, that's actually perfect. See, I like, no, now let me go into give a disclaimer. I do like dogs. Uh, I've had dogs growing up. Uh, but there's something about dogs that can be fun. Now, one thing is, is dogs enjoy gnawing on things. Now, there was this dog once, and he had a steak bone. Now, he loved the steak bone, but he had this thing. He wanted a better bone. He wanted to have the best, most delicious mm, steak bone. And what he would do is he was hunting for one. And if he found one, he'd take it. He would fight the other dog, and he would take that bone. That's my bone. What's up? One day he was, had his bone and he was, again, thought he was all that, shoulders back, just walking through the park, doing his thing, doing what dogs do. I'm a dog, I'm a dog, I'm a dog. And he walks across and he sees the pond and he's looking at the pond and he sees it, another dog with a bigger steak bone. And he says to himself, I know what I'm about to do. He's growling, he's getting angry. He's like, I want that bone. That's gonna be my bone. And then he does it. He makes the decision. He drops his bone and he goes after the other bone. And when he drops his bone, it falls into the pond and it sinks straight to the bottom. And the dog that he was going after was his own reflection in the water. His desire for the bigger, better bone had cost him greatly. Now, some of us, at times, that's us. We are like the dog, and we, especially when we come into the New Year, some of you had great Christmas, and someone gave you the best gift in the world, and you're like, oh, let me just, oh, let me, look at this new shirt. Oh, isn't this lovely? Don't you, one of the things I hate the most is when I get something new clothing-wise, and my wife, as I'm in a room of people, of friends that care about me, that know that I hate being the center of attention, and she says, that sure is a nice jacket. Mm-mm. But what happens is we fall into this trap where our desires can get the best of us. And we end up just like that poor little dog at the pond, chasing our own reflection because we think it's better. Now today we're kicking off our brand new series. Now here's what I would love for you to do in your copy of God's Word. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And in this series, what we're doing is we're going chronologically through the Gospels, through the life of Jesus. And this, I'm, I'm very excited. I remember when Pastor Kevin was talking about this series and kind of preparing for it, and I started getting pumped because I love a, I love a, like a series, like a long series. It's like when someone tells you about a great show on Netflix and you go and you go to Netflix and you find out it has like eight seasons, you're like, yes, this is something I can watch for at least for a few weeks as I binge my way through it. So for us, we're going to be journeying through up through Easter. So we started off by talking about the birth of Christ last month, and we're, this is going to carry us all the way through Easter. Now, where we're at today in Matthew chapter 4, just kind of let you know what happened right before what we're going to read today, Jesus got baptized. 
And it was an awesome, it was a beautiful moment. You have this time where John the Baptist, he baptizes Jesus. And when Jesus comes up out of the water, it says that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. And not only that, but you hear God say out loud, audibly, this is my son with who I am well pleased. And for me, that's such an impacting moment because Jesus hadn't done anything. He got baptized. That was it. Which again, is a whole nother message all in its own. The fact that we don't have to do things to get God's approval. God already loves us. He already accepts us. Which again, disclaimer, enjoy that. You can read that for yourself. But today we're picking up right after that. Now, right after that wonderful, beautiful moment, very, oh, Jesus goes into the wilderness, into the desert to fast and to pray. Now, before we dig in, I want to let you know what is fasting. Some people are like, I don't, I've heard of that. I don't really know what it is. Basically, it's you um, saying no to something physically so you can grow spiritually. Typically, what is normally associated with fasting is food. It's going without food for a period of time. You're saying no to something physically, something that's sacrificial so that you can grow spiritually, so you can depend upon the Lord. A lot of times, fasting and prayer go hand in hand. So let's jump in. Let's dig in. As we read, uh, we're going to start in verse 1, go through verse 11. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. 40 days and 40... Guys, I get hungry after just a few hours. Some of you are sitting here right now, and your stomach is already rumbling. You're already hungry. You're thinking about lunch. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, then tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, you got to read the punctuation. No, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, see right here, Satan's trying to use scripture out of context against this moment, trying to twist this moment up. He says he will order his angels to protect you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. And then Jesus said, get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. You see, in this passage, as you read these three scenarios that happened, Satan had a strategy for Jesus. Because Jesus, who was 100% God, 100% man, God in the flesh, he still had human desires. And again, as we walk through this, as we see this, these temptations and what Satan was doing, he was trying to exploit them. He was trying to take these natural desires that Jesus would have had and twist them. So he was tempting him. And again, if he had fallen into this, if Jesus had taken the bait, if he'd have walked through and again these perverted, twisted forms of these desires, then Christ would have never been the savior of the world. And see, what we have to understand is the enemy is going to do the same thing to us as he did to Jesus. He's going to take our desires, which have good intentions. He's going to twist them to mess us up. We may have this desire to be successful, and that in itself is not bad. But when exploited, when twisted, we might begin to do things that lack integrity or begin to manipulate people so we can get our way, so we can get ahead. 
Or maybe, you, again, it's not wrong to want to raise your children in a great way, to have them to be wise men and women when they get older. But when exploited and twisted, we could become control freaks as parents, and our kids could resent us in the future. Our desire for relationship, to be with someone, to have someone that we can share our life with, it can be so overwhelming that we settle for someone that's not the best, for someone that's not who God wants us to be just because we don't wanna be by ourselves. You see, these desires, they in and of themselves are not bad. They're not terrible. They're not sinful. But the enemy wants to twist them and exploit them so that they can cause us to be destroyed. Because, and this is it. This is our big idea today. This is what we're gonna pack and it's so encouraging. Write this down. The devil wants to exploit your desires. The devil wants to exploit, he wants to twist, he wants to distort, he wants to pervert your desires. Because sin comes when we take this perfectly natural desire, ambition, this passion, and then we try to fulfill it without the Lord. We try to do it ourselves. We try to do it with our own strength. We try to do it with our own wisdom with our own ability. And what happens, sin begins to creep in. And what we have to understand is that twisted desires will always destroy our destiny. Twisted desires will destroy our destiny that's in life. Because again, we begin to try to pursue something that has good intentions, great intentions, but then it's twisted, it brings our destruction, our thirst for control. Our thirst for wanting to kind of be the lead role will lead to anger and irritation and frustration. I know it does for me. I want to be in control. Uh, I personally, when me and my family, we drive somewhere, I have to be the driver. I want to be in control because my wife sometimes is distracted while she's driving. And, it, and what happens is, is this need for control leads to me living a life of frustration. A life where the slightest thing will cause me to be so irritable. This twisted desire becomes my own destruction. And Satan, he was going to go, he's going to exploit these three specific desires that we see in this passage, these three different scenarios. And the first thing that Satan was wanting to exploit, to kind of twist, was Jesus and his independence. His independence. He was wanting him to do things without God. Again, one thing, again, you, as we read at the beginning of the passage, Jesus was tired, he was hungry. He'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And let me tell you something, my stomach will be rumbling. And Satan was trying to get him again. Hey man, you're hungry? Just tell these stones to become loaves of bread and you'll be fine. He wanted him to lead from this appetite. He wanted him to act on what he thought he needed physically instead of what he needed spiritually, which was that time with the Lord. Again, when we fast, we're saying no to something physically so that we can grow spiritually. And let me go ahead and kind of give a disclaimer because, again, a lot of times people love to kick off a new year in a time of fasting and prayer for the new year. Um, it's not fasting if, it, if it's not something to sacrifice. Um, again, that's why typically it's food. Maybe for you it's a hobby. Maybe it's an activity. Uh, I know, and it's also not something that is like, for example, if you don't eat breakfast, you can't fast breakfast. I don't eat breakfast. I can't, so yeah, I'm fasting in the mornings. I fast every single morning. I don't eat breakfast. So again, when we were doing this, again, he was trying to take his priorities of needing food to live out his own dependence. And for us, that happens. The enemy will try to tell you, you don't need God's wisdom. No, 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 you're good enough. You are the man, you're the woman, you can do this. No, you can't. 
We come to the end of our ability eventually. We'll come to the end of our own patience, our own strength, our own joy, our own happiness. Because when we try to cultivate and make something for ourselves, what we end up doing, as I said earlier, we twist it and it causes destruction because we think we can do it. And no, we can't. We need God giving us wisdom. We need the Lord guiding our steps. We need to have dependence on him. What happens is we end up treating God like a milkshake, like, hmm, that's a good treat, instead of like air. And what happens is when we live this life, like right now as I talk about breathing, we need to depend on him like it's breath. Some of you guys, hey, I don't know if you knew this, but you've been breathing this entire day. Like from the time you woke up, you've had air in your lungs, you've been breathing in oxygen, your body doesn't, you don't have to do it consciously, it just kind of happens. That's the way it needs to be when we depend upon the Lord. We need to live our lives depending on him. When we go in to make decisions at our jobs, we need to not think, what's the best for me? Because that's not always the best decision. God, what do you want me to do? We need to be dependent on the Lord as we need air in our physical bodies. He is like our spiritual air. So that's the first desire that, he would, that Satan tried to exploit, tried to manipulate with Jesus. The second one was wowing people. As Owen Wilson says, wow, wowing people. Because think about it, in that, in that next part, in that next temptation, he says, hey, you're at the top of the temple. Just jump off, man. Jump off. You won't get hurt. Angels are going to catch you. You won't even hurt. Your foot won't even hit a stone, bro. Just do it. And if he'd have done that, imagine all the people that saw this happen. He has the superhero type landing. It'd been spectacular. They would have immediately stopped what they were doing. They would have worshiped Jesus. It would have been all about him in the wrong way because he was trying to exploit wowing people. And how often does it happen with us? We say, hey, man, it's just all about getting the approval of others. Let's just wow them so that way they can lift you up on a pedestal, live for those likes and loves on social media. You post the cutest pictures. Oh, I don't know if you knew this, but wherever you get your encouragement from, that's also what's gonna birth your discouragement. So if you're living for the likes and the loves, if you're living for the approval and the pat on the back from your coworkers or your boss, eventually they're going to stop because you're going to make a mistake and it's going to bring the discouragement. Maybe this next picture doesn't get as many likes. Oh man, our encouragement, our wow factor, our approval cannot come from the people around us, but only from the Lord. And the great thing is, I said earlier, he already approves of you. He already loves you. And here's the great thing. He loves us enough not to leave us the way we are. He is constantly molding and shaping our lives, not so that we can be better, but so that we can be holy, so that we can be like him, so that when people come and interact with us, they experience his love. They experience his grace. And I got to tell you, as I've been following Jesus for a number of years, since 2001, I am more gracious now than I was before. I remember when I first started following Christ, I was the most like graceless individual ever. I gave so, people so much junk for their external sin. Um, I remember uh, hanging out with friends and I would, hey, hey, can I have a cigarette? And I would take it and I would break the cigarette in front of them and I would talk trash about how they're going to hell. Guys, there is so much more happening in our lives because I, wowing people is not what it's about. Me gaining approval because of likes and loves, us trying to act a certain way just so people will accept you, it's going to be our downfall because people are fickle. People are inconsistent. 
Everything changes. There are things today that is, uh, like for fashion, that is cool now. Two years ago, it was a faux pas. And it's like the 90s are coming back. Next thing you know, it'll be the 80s. I'm looking forward to the 80s. But see, Pastor Kevin, he says something to the teaching team all the time. He says, preach to impact, not to impress. Because if you preach to impress, you'll never make the impact that God wants you to do. See, our lives, that has to also be our mantra. Our lives is not about impressing, but it's about making an impact with the gospel. And it's not to do it in such a way that they point back to you, but it's that you live in such a way that they give glory and thanks to God. Because it's not about us. We have to drop these filters of life and let's just be authentic and let us follow the Lord wholeheartedly. So again, so Jesus, uh, Satan tried to exploit Jesus and his dependence upon the Lord and wowing people. And the third desire was to win without integrity, to win without integrity. And that last scenario for it to take place, Jesus would have to worship Satan. And if he'd have done that, hypothetically, he did not. If he'd have done that, there would have been no cross. Jesus would have never been beaten beyond recognition. He would have never been our savior. He would have never been our way of salvation to be forgiven of our sins if he had just lacked integrity and given in. One of the greatest disappointments is finding out a winner cheats. Throughout sports, throughout life. I remember in high school, I studied for this test. It was, a, it was in chemistry, and I, I was terrible at chemistry. It was just, I, I, to this day, if you love chemistry, God bless you. I just couldn't get in. I remember studying and, and trying to do flashcards, and I got a B on the test. And I was excited for my B. And then I found out that there were about five or six individuals that somehow, I don't know how they got the answers, they cheated. And they did better than me. And I was so angry because I worked so hard. This is what happens because we cannot go through life trying to cut corners. We have to have integrity. Our integrity has to cost more than just temporary success. So how do we do this? Because we know that Satan, he's going to exploit our desires. He's going to twist them. And those twisted desires will be our destruction. So what do we need to do? Here's our next step. We need to let our desires and passions be transformed. We have to let our desires and our passions be transformed. And what that means is we need to let our desires pass through the cross. We need to allow God to transform them, to make them holy, to accomplish his purpose and not our own. You see, typically our desires and our passions, they're fueled by selfishness. What I want, what I think, what I desire. When if you are a Christ follower... Paul said that for those that follow Christ, that we are not our own. We were bought at a price, and that price was the death of Jesus. So it's not about me anymore. So because of that, my desires have to pass through the cross. They have to line up with what God wants, with what he desires for my life. Paul, he told the church um, in Romans 12 to do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. See, our thoughts, what happens up here between our ears is so important because what happens here, it starts here and then it becomes the reality that we live in. Our thinking gets us in trouble because what you think about a topic, what you think about finances, what you think about parenting, about marriage, about work ethic, about even sex, about whatever you think about, it cannot come 
from the political party you follow. It cannot come and be founded on just what my parents taught me. It's not about what we read in a magazine. It's not about what, what matters. If you are a Christ follower, what does Scripture say? What does God's Word say? Because again, at the end of the day, if you're a Christ follower, it is not about you. It's not about me. It is not ours because we were bought at a price, as Paul wrote. So our desires and our passions have to be transformed. They have to be shifted. And this is not something that happens overnight. This is not something that you're going to make the decision today and tomorrow. Everything's different. No, because for transformation to happen, it's a shifting that takes place over time. If you want to conform, that's like making jello. You just put your life in a gelatin and there you are. But we want to be transformed. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So how do we do this? I'm so glad you asked. Here's the first thing we have to do. We have to realize that the easiest way is not always the best way. The easiest way is not always the best way. Because ultimately, the temptations that Jesus experienced, they were about the easy way, not the best way. The best way was Jesus to continue in obedience to the Lord, to be obedient to God, to would lead to his own physical death. But what's better than his death is on that third day when he came back to life, conquering death, hell, and the grave. You see, that was the best option, the best choice. And we live in a society that thinks that the easiest way is going to be the best way. We live in this, um, this microwave uh, culture, if you will. And I love a microwave. I love being able to cook. I love my favorite thing to do is ordering food on my app, on my phone, and just walking in, picking it up, and walking out. That's my favorite thing in the world. I don't have to talk to anyone. I don't have to make anything. They make it for me. It's incredible. But just because it's the easy way doesn't mean it's the best way. So when we are surveying our life and we're wanting to live a life again that is transformed, that's not conformed, then there are times we're going to have to realize that what we've been doing is wrong. It's the wrong approach. It's the wrong way to do things because, just because it might be the easiest. So we've got to change our mind, change our actions, change our reactions, change our thoughts to what is the best way. You see, the easy thing to do is to not reconcile the relationship. The easy thing to do is to just leave church when it's not meeting your preference. The easy thing to do is to continue to get into debt and ignore those bills as they come in. The easy thing to do is to let our kids be babysat by screens instead of us having quality time with them. The easy thing to do is to be unhealthy and ignore the warning signs of our physical, our mental, or our spiritual health. Me and my wife, we were driving home from somewhere the other night, and we were having this conversation, um, and we were talking about having a healthy marriage. And we kind of had this, this uh, epiphany, if you will, that it is easy to have an unhealthy marriage. It's so easy. It's so easy to have an unhealthy marriage. Just be purely selfish. Make it all about you and forget about what your spouse needs or wants. And, make it, and you can have an unhealthy marriage. It's so easy to be unhealthy. You want to be unhealthy when you leave here today? You go to Wendy's across the street and you get yourself a four for four with, oh, with a big giant frosty. You want to, unhealthy is easy. Healthy is difficult. You want to have a healthy relationship with the Lord? Spend more time in his word instead of trying to figure out what's happening in social media and, and what's happening in culture of the world. You want to have a healthy relationship with your spouse? Begin to spend time and actually listen to them and what they need. If you want to have a healthy relationship with your kids, spend quality time with them. Maybe if you need to, read some books to understand dynamics and parenting. It's okay. 
The healthy thing, maybe some of you in 2020, you need to go ahead and take that step and begin to get professional counseling because of what you've been facing over the last year, especially with the anxiety and chaos of 2020. Listen, it is so easy to be unhealthy. God does not want us to live a life of easy. He wants to live a life that is pursuing him, that is the best option, the best way. So for us, for me, for you, if we're going to, again, allow our desires and our passions to be transformed, we have to kind of tackle this option of easy versus best. We have to choose what's best. What is God calling us to do? The second thing we have to understand is that good opportunities might be a test for us. Good opportunities can be used to test us. Listen, I'll be real with you. Some of the opportunities Satan threw at Jesus, they were not bad. I mean, if I could jump off of a tallest building in a single bound and not get hurt, that'd be pretty dope. I'd be okay with people thinking I was all that in a bag of chips. You know, it's not a bad thing to think that we could, you know, I could rule the world. They're not the worst opportunities. But the problem is, we think that every good opportunity is a God opportunity. The issue that you and me is we don't really have a problem when we have two options. One's good, one's bad. Obviously, you don't do the bad thing. You do the good thing. But for you and for me, what is a good opportunity and which one is the God opportunity? And sometimes God is not calling us to leave the pain and suffering that we're experiencing. Maybe you're at a job and the job is just terrible. You hate it. It's the worst thing you've ever done. I remember a job that I worked at when I was in North Carolina. I hated it. I despised it. Now, I wasn't even that good at it. Um, I kind of thought they were going to fire me. One day, I didn't want to go to work. I called them. I didn't lie. I didn't want to lie. I said, hey, I don't feel like coming in today. I thought and kind of hoped that I would get fired the next day because I hated the job so much. They said nothing to me. They didn't even care that I wasn't there, which may tell me how good of a job I was doing to begin with. Listen. There are opportunities that are going to come your way. See, the more, the kind of the better you get at something, the more opportunities you're going to have. And if we live this life of just taking every good opportunity that we're out there, honestly, Thrive would just be a stepping stone for me. But it's not about taking every good opportunity. It's about taking the God opportunity. In the years that I've been at Thrive, I have, I've had other churches and other organizations reach out to me, try to poach me to go be a part of what they were doing there. But I was like, no. Good opportunity, sure, but this, this is where God wants me. This is what God has called me to do at Thrive Church in this season, in these years. And what you and I, we have to wrestle. It is not easy. It is so difficult to say no to a good opportunity so we can say yes to the God opportunity. The Apostle Paul, for many years, he was traveling, sharing the gospel, and his obedience, the God opportunities, led him to prison. It would lead him to getting shipwrecked. So understand, just because it's a God opportunity doesn't mean it's going to take you to a, a beautiful area of nothing but roses and sunshine and just, you know, milk and honey. No. But again, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us being obedient to God and what he's called us to do. It's about us, again, having our desires and our passions transformed. When, you, when something is transformed, it's made different. It's new. It's something brand new. It's something completely different. So I love transformers. The robots in disguise. Looks like a truck. Ah, it's a giant robot. What's up? Our lives have to be transformed. We have to allow it to happen. Here's the third thing that we have to do. And this is probably the most difficult. Good versus God opportunity, sure. That's, I, I get that. That makes sense. Okay, going for the best instead of the easy. Yeah, I get that. 
We need to allow the scriptures to read us. Allow God's word to read you. This is a common phrase or a concept that we talk about at Thrive. You see, it's one thing to read the Bible. It's a good thing to read the Bible, but it's a different thing to let the Bible read you. And that passage there in Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11, as the enemy was coming against him and he was tempting Jesus, Jesus and his responses were scripture. The Bible says, the Bible says, I love one translation. Uh, it says, it is written. The Bible says, Jesus understood scripture. He knew it. He had it memorized. It was within him. In the same way in our lives, guys, we're gonna have the enemy's gonna come against us. He's gonna come against you. He's gonna come against your marriage. He's gonna come against your work. He's gonna come against your job. He's gonna come against you, life. And you can try to quote some fun thing if you want to, but let me tell you something. There is power in the word of God. There is a reason why it says in Hebrews that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. There's a reason why in Ephesians, when it talks about the armor of God, that uh, the only uh, offensive weapon is the sword and it's the word of God. It's because it's powerful. It's living. It's not just a dead text. It's not just something that we have to quote. Oh, it's Sunday. We have to read the Bible. Oh, I have to do my morning devotion. No, there's power in the word of God. There is life in the word of God. There is transformation in the word of God. We have to allow it to read us. We have to allow that as we read scripture, this is what it means. You got to ask God, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm not just gonna read a random verse of a day just to kind of check it off my list. What is God calling you to do? Because as you dig through scripture, as you read through that morning devotional, as you read, some of you may have gotten an awesome devotional for Christmas. Let me tell you something. This is not to pull away from that. This is to add to that. Don't rush those moments when you're reading scripture. Don't just ignore the boring parts. Let me tell you something. I'll be honest with you. There are some boring spots in scripture. When he begat, he begat, he begat, he begat, and then he lived 750 years, and then he begat, there it, 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 it will make your eyes droopy. But here's what you can do. You can say, God, what, what am I supposed to do with that? And it shows God's faithfulness. It shows that throughout all that lineage, God was moving. God was active, that he was still there. When we allow the Bible to read us to make impact, we can then be used by God. When we, again, have our desires exploited and try to be twisted by the enemy, we can remind the enemy of what God's word says, just as Jesus did. But the only way to do that is you have to know it. You can't give what you don't know. We have to make it a priority. It's awesome. I know there's so many people, I've done it in the past before, they read the Bible in a year. It's awesome. That's great. But did you retain any of it? We have to let scripture read us. Because as we go into this new year, 2021, God is speaking to you. God is wanting to give you direction. He's wanting to give you wisdom to tackle. Probably again, we don't know what this year is gonna, what we, just like we learned last year, we don't know what 2021 is gonna look like, what it's gonna become. But I can tell you this, God is faithful. God is for us, he's not against us. We can stand on the truth of scripture. 
And for you and for me, if we are going to live the life that God has called us to, if we're going to live a life of obedience, we are going to have to know and recognize that the devil is going to try to twist and exploit our desires and our ambitions. And when he does that, it can take us down a path of destruction. We have to allow God to transform our desires and our passions, not so that we can be better or do something great, but so that we can do something great for the Lord. We have to take the best way. We have to recognize what's the God opportunity versus the good opportunity. We have to allow scripture to read us. We have to let it impact us and let it transform us. Let it shave off the areas of our life that's not pleasing to the Lord. Because again, at the end of the day, it's not about us being happy, it's us being holy. And as we live a life of holiness, God can use us to make greater impact in this world, in your community, in your job, in your family. You wanna see and have a greater marriage or greater relationship in 2021? Do this. You wanna have a better job culture in your workplace? Do this. Everyone else, may, may, they may stink. They may be the worst people in the world, but you don't have to be. Don't try to wow people because it's not about you. Allow God to work and move through your life as we go into this new year. And as we do that, I don't know if you're like me, I can't. I can't do it by myself. I like wowing people. I like to impress people. I just do. I'm naturally a very selfish individual, and my wife can uh, agree to that, attest to that. But if I'm gonna live this out, I'm gonna need God's help. And we're gonna have to be intentional every single day. So what I wanna do, I wanna pray for you and I'll pray for me, that God would shape us and he would mold us, he would transform our desires so that they are in line with what he desires. So if you would pray with me this morning. God, we are so thankful that God, you are for us, you're not against us. As we are breathing this morning, God, may we be dependent upon you spiritually, mentally, physically, as we do for air. God, let us lean on you for understanding. God, help us with our desires and our ambitions and our passions, though they're not bad, but they can be so easily twisted and exploited. God, help us to take them and line them up with what you want to filter them through the Bible, to let them pass through the cross and make them holy so they can be accomplished and used for your purpose, for your mission. God, help us today, God, to take the needed next steps to allow these desires to be transformed so they can mirror and show you your goodness, your love, your grace, your mercy, your patience, your peace, your joy. God, help us today God, to recognize the God opportunities that you have for us. God, help us to take the best way and not just the easy way. God, help us to have a passion for your word, to read it, to, to digest it, to let it literally transform and mold our lives, to change the way we think that when something happens, instead of thinking about what we saw on TV or read in a magazine, that we think of what we read in scripture. God, help us to live lives that are set apart, that can be used by you, that can give you glory because of what you have done and what you are doing in our lives because we can't do it ourselves because we're not strong enough, we're not smart enough. We don't have it, but you do. God, let us lean on you. Let us become the men and women that you desire us to be. 
And as we continue to pray this morning, you may uh, have come to Thrive today and you may be watching online and you don't have a relationship with the Lord. I want to tell you today, it's your opportunity to make the greatest decision. Because when we follow him, we are forgiven of our sins. We have eternal life in him and he is with us and for us and he cares about you. He loves you unconditionally. I don't care what happened before you walked through the doors. I don't care what happened before you clicked on the link. God loves you today and he wants to save you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. And the awesome thing is, is this, you don't have to do a list of things for that to happen. Scripture says we are to believe and to confess, to believe that Jesus was who he said he was, he was God in the flesh, and that in his death and resurrection, we can be forgiven of our sins and have eternal life. It's to believe that, to confess that. And in a way of confession today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you wanna make the decision to follow Christ, just pray this prayer and say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that by the death and resurrection of Jesus, I am forgiven of my sins. I confess that you are Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you. And it's in your holy name we pray today. Amen.